For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. So I'm talking about again about Dongshan, founder of Soto Zen uh, in China. Uh, in Chinese, it's called Sao Dongshan, uh, and uh, this is a story about the bird's path. So uh, a monk once asked Dongshan, "What was the bird's path that he regularly recommended?" Dongshan replied, one does not encounter a single person. So the birch path is about uh, being solitary, not meeting a single person, and that includes a single person outside or inside, not, uh, not meeting or creating a self and it's about uh, uh, the birds flying away with no traces. So the, the bird's path, the path of birds flying in the sky, uh, we, we don't see some path markers in the sky. We don't know if birds do. But um, birds follow the same migratory path for, for sometimes many centuries. And uh, the, the monk asked about this, or continued asking about how one takes the bird's path, how one follows such a path. And Dongshan said simply, one proceeds with no self underfoot. How can we not get tangled up in some self underfoot as we follow the path? This may seem obvious, but actually we often get caught up in some self or some idea of self or some idea of some self outside. The bird's path is about no traces, just doing the next thing, leaving no traces of one's activity. Just meet each event without leaving traces, without searching for traces. So there are many ideas of the path in Buddhism, the Eightfold Path, many ideas of the Marga path. And we have the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, uh, the precepts, the six or ten paramitas or liberative practices. But uh, Dongshan said, don't encounter a single person. Don't encounter another or oneself. Don't cling to some idea of self. Don't cling to some traces of one's activities. So uh, this is kind of basic and maybe simple and also rather challenging. What is the bird's path? 
how do we follow a path where there are no um, markers up on the side, where there's no roadmap, where uh, we fly free as a bird. We don't leave any traces of our activity. We don't search for traces to uh, follow. This is not uh, an idea or an image that Dong Shan invented himself in the 800s. In fact, it goes back. So one of the early Pali texts from the Buddha is called the Dhammapada, great, the path or the way of Dharma. And uh, in chapter seven of the Dhammapada, describing the Arhat, the totally personally awakened one, it says, like the path of birds in the sky, it is hard to trace the path of those who do not or who are judicious with their food and whose field is the freedom of emptiness and signlessness. Let the path of birds, like the path of birds in the sky, it is hard to trace the path of those who have destroyed their toxins, who are unattached to food and whose field is the freedom of emptiness and signlessness. When one is not trying to find some uh, road marks, some uh, traces to follow, when one is not, when is not trying to be guided by the ancient sages or some teaching one has read, then uh, we can fly free like the bird's path. This is also described in the Perfection of Wisdom, Prashnaparamita literature. So in the Perfection of Wisdom, the Prashnaparamita in 8,000 lines, the Bodhisattva shuns attachments and, quote, having organized the world as like a, a snare for wild beasts, the wise roam about similar to the birds in space. Quote. So here the birds indicate fl flying free, free of worldly needs or worldly attachments. So this is in an, a number of the Prajnaparamita wisdom texts. So we chant the Heart Sutra, we chanted that yesterday, which is one of these. Oketsu was talking Thursday morning about the Diamond Sutra. I'm not sure if the bird's path is mentioned in the Diamond Sutra, but it is mentioned in another one of the many, many Krasnaparamita, Perfection of Wisdom Sutras, the large sutra of Perfection of Wisdom. I think that's the one with 100,000 lines. And that one talks about nothing real is meant by the word bodhisattva. Enlightenment and so-called enlightened beings, as well as any other entities, are ultimately unproduced. Such a thing as a bodhisattva is a thing that but does not exist, it cannot be apprehended, just is it, as in space, the track of a bird does not exist and cannot be apprehended. So, you know, when jets fly overhead, we sometimes see the traces of them. But when birds fly over, it's just clear sky. And again, maybe the birds see, uh, see, road markers, because birds fly the same migratory paths over and over again, but do they need markers? Do they need to, to have a guide to 
their paths. So in the Dasabhumaka Sutra, or Ten Stages Sutra, which is part of the Flower Ornament Sutra, the Amitamsaka, or Hawaiian Sutra, which uh, some of us are chanting, uh, actually this coming Friday evening at 7 o'clock on our, on our uh, website, the first Friday of every month, we chant the Flower Ornament Sutra. And we happen to be in the chapter of that sutra called the Dasabhumaka, or Ten Grounds or Stages Sutra. So this is one of the earliest Mahayana sutras, one of the earliest sutras about bodhisattvas. But in its introduction to these stages, so that 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 chapter uh, sometimes is translated as the Ten Stages Sutra, and the Flower Ornament Sutra likes to use the number ten. But it's uh, it's also can be seen as ten grounds. It's not that one has to one one can see them as a progression, or one can see them as a circle, uh, just like the paramitas, the perfections. So um, in that sutra, Dasabhumaka Sutra, part of the Flower Ornament Sutra, uh, it says that these stages, quote, realized by sages, are actually unattainable by mind, intellectually inconceivable. We can't uh, figure them out. Then the sutra cites the bird's path in it. Just, quote, just as the tracks of a bird in the sky cannot be described or seen, even by the awakened ones, in the same way, all the stages cannot be total, told of, much less heard. So these stages, so-called stages depicted in the sutra, are acknowledged at the outset as merely shadows, reflections of reality, ephemeral as the bird's path. They are retold only partially and imperfectly as skillful means out of compassion for those who might be encouraged by this. So uh, this idea of leaving no traces is kind of uh, fundamental in Zen. Sometimes it's said to uh, leave a place cleaner than when you found it. So Zen is practice involves cleaning and straightening up and taking care of uh, one's space, the space when one leaves. There's a, another description of the bird's path uh, from uh, a little bit later in, in Japan. One of, uh, uh, so I have this from a, a treatise on the precepts from Okasotan, who was an important teacher a little before Suzuki Roshi, who founded San Francisco Zen Center. And uh, he's quoting uh, Daichi Sokai, who lived 1290 to 1367, he was in this lineage in Kyushu that started with one of Dogen's disciples, Kangen Bien. And don't worry, there will not be a test. I'm just you know, throwing this out for Dharma nerds out there, whoever you are. Um, but, Dai, but Daichi Sok, Sokai was a great poet. He also founded the temple Shoboji, where I did a practice period in Kyushu and uh, around. Uh, was it uh, 1992, maybe? Uh, anyway, Daichi Sokai, a great early Soto Zen teacher and poet, said, quote, turning back before seeking to reach the kalpa of emptiness, before seeking to reach one's original face, step by step, one must travel the mysterious path of a bird. 
seeing and hearing without subtle attachments, without unobstructed, with, with, within unobstructed sound and form is peaceful rest. So, of course, you know, we all have been trained to look for signs of progress. Our uh, government measures the GDP to, to tell how well the economy is doing and so forth. We all, you know, have been told to, to you know, taught to, uh, to, to identify ourselves with, uh, you know, what, wherever, whatever grade we're at <laughs> and what grades we get, you know, A or B or C or F or whatever. Uh, we're looking for, we're trained to look for markers or traces of uh, our progress and where we are. But again, this uh, this teaching is about of the bird's path is to to find the path. So it's not there is a path, but it's a path that doesn't that's not clearly marked. Uh, the great uh, American Zen patriarch Gary Snyder talks about the path as a frame to wander off from. So sometimes it's useful to have markers, road markers to mark out a path. And, and of course, in Buddhism and in Zen, there are many uh, systems of paths that are demarked. But, uh, Gary Snyder talks about how the, the real path is the path that we meander off from. Our creativity is found when we, um, you know, we have, a, we have structures. In Zen, we have... Uh, schedules, we have forms that we use. We're going to be talking about those in our practice intensive in November, and they're useful. But then if we get caught by them and think that we have to follow some prescribed path, that's not it. So this bird's path is free of those. It's about being able to fly freely. So there's a mystery here. Uh, there's a mystery of migration. Some birds migrate 14,000 miles each year. And they, and they often don't come back to the same place where they were the previous winter or the previous summer. Uh, how does that happen? We don't know. And yet... It's not marked off. It's not something they figure out. It's not something they have to calculate or deliberate. Um, so, uh, you know, this is like this bird's path and this migration is like the practice of Bunshui, uh, of monks and Japanese clouds and water monks who uh, move around between different teachers, different mountains. In the old days, traveling by foot. And Dongshan did this, and Dogen did this, and many American uh, Buddhist people go around to different uh, sanghas and teachers. Uh, this is like the bird's path. Uh, in Genjo Koan by Dogen, he talks about when a bird flies, no matter how high it flies, it cannot reach the end of the sky. When the bird's need is great, the range is large. When the need is small, the range is small. 
So each bird uses the whole of space and vigorously acts in every place. So this is a path one engages fully without knowing, without having a marker to say, what's next? So we talk in Zen about not knowing. Not knowing is most intimate, most familiar, most deeply true. How do we follow our spiritual path without needing to have some description? This is advanced practice, and yet it is the actual practice that brought us all here. So each bird uses the whole of space and vigorously acts in every place. However, if a bird departs from the sky, Dogen says, it immediately dies. We should know that for a bird, the sky is life. So this brings up the question, you know, what is the path? And when we ask what is the path and want some answer, we're getting caught in traces. How do we just proceed? How do we take the next inhale? How do we enjoy the next exhale? How do we sit upright amid thoughts and feelings or when thoughts and feelings fade away amid just the sounds of the traffic on the street or sounds of one's breath or the sensations in one's shoulders or backs or belly. How do we sit upright in the middle of all that? How do we follow this bird's path, which has no traces? So uh, this brings up the question, well, of course, what is the path? But also, what is freedom? We say that to fly free as a bird, And, of course, our practice is about freedom, finding freedom, expressing freedom for ourselves and others, helping others to find freedom from their grasping. Each of us tries to hold on to to things. This is our kind of fundamental nature. And, of course, everything floats away eventually. How can we appreciate each step, each flap of our wings, each breath, without trying to make it into something, without trying to hold on to something? So uh, there's there's a song, Ballad in Plain D, by uh, one of my teachers, Bob Dylan Diosho. He says, My friends from the prison, they ask unto me, how good, how good does it feel to be free? And I answer them most mysteriously, are birds free from the chains of the skyway? So in what way, so, you know, this is, this is, uh, this is a koan, this is a question, this is something that is, gets at the heart of our practice and the heart of our lives. How do we not get entangled 
in particular attachments? Or how do we see them and see that actually our entanglements are freedom? How do we see the freedom as are we free from the chains of the skyway? We are caught in our limited lives. We are caught in our particular habits, karmic entanglements, desires, and so forth. And yet also there's the bird's path we are on, where we fly free, free, free as a bird. And we may not know what the next step is, what the next range of sky is that we are flying into. And yet, is there freedom there? So I will um, stop and, and leave that question. How do we see freedom from traces of our past lives, freedom from traces of the past lives of our friends and family and all the politicians and all the strangeness of the world? How do we see the bird's path? And how do we see ourselves um, in the chains of the skyway? So uh, I'm interested in your comments, your responses, your questions. What is it like to be free, to fly free as a bird? What is it like to not be caught by traces, to not try and hold on to traces of our activity, our thoughts, our awareness, the last period of Zazen, whatever. So comments, questions, responses, please feel free. Amina has something. Hey, Amina. Hi, Tegan. Um, thank you for this, for that talk. I really appreciate it. And um I was struck by a lot of it. I mean, one of them being this idea of um, engaging fully with the unknown, you know, like not just being okay with the unknown, but, you know, so I was asking myself the question, like, what does it mean to engage fully with something that you don't completely see or, you know, like the, how, how do you engage fully um, a pathless way or, or a path without, without markers? And I, I like that question a lot. Um, so I, I think that's there was one other thing I was going to say I've already forgotten it, but um, another, no traces. <laughs> yeah, well, just that traces, you know, like this. I I was just thinking about how easy it is to sort of cling to, you know, when you think about what a trace of something is, it's not even there anymore. Really, it's like something that's partially there. You can only, you know, it's already fleeting, you know, but like we're still holding on to it, like the sort of ghost of something, or you know, <laughs> that strikes me too. Yes, yes. When we're holding on to traces, we're not really here. We're back somewhere else, <laughs> or we think we are. Actually, of course, we're always here, but we can imagine that we're caught in a trace of something else, or we can get entangled in you know the ways that karmic patterns do hold on to us. Um, and how do we 
uh, loosen up. How do we uh, fly right? <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, good questions. Thank you. Hey, David. Um, I'm struck by, uh, uh, at least to me, a seeming contradiction. Um, the, you know, we have the, you know, the three nobles, the four noble truths, we have the three refuges, the three pure precepts, the ten grave precepts, you know, the four uh, Brahma, uh, Brahma the Haras. Yeah. Now we have all these things that are yes. guideposts. And yet we're told to you know be free as a bird. And at the same time we have the Bodhisattva vow that you know beings are numberless, I vow to free them. Yes. Uh to me here in this world that I I see myself in, and I do have a self here, uh, as a chaplain, being with people when they are suffering, and to be with them, uh, in that sense, free them, you know, free them, uh, or allow them to be free. So I see these contradictions here about being no path, and then having all this other stuff keep the pond ourselves. You know, or I, I feel it's heaped upon it. Um, so I ask you, is there a middle way? <laughs> you know, Buddha talks about the middle way. I have all this stuff over here, and here it is birdless path. Is there something, or is it not being caught in either one of them? Yes. No traces. No traces. So, yes, we do have all these guideposts. They're wonderful. And we study them, you know. We study them not to uh, accumulate some body of knowledge, you know, or learn something. But we study them just to help us practice, just to help us uh, fly the bird's path. And it's helpful to have guideposts, you know. Uh, that's what Gary Snyder talks about. We have guideposts. But if we imagine that, you know, it, it happens... You know, it happens in monasteries, for example, where people get really caught up in the rules. And they think that if they follow all the rules perfectly, that's the way, that's, you know, that's the point. And it isn't, it isn't, it isn't. The point is freedom. And so you, these are skillful means. And they're not separate, actually, from the bird's path. There are ways of finding the bird's path where there's no guideposts, but we need guideposts to find them. So when we have a structure, so like in a, in a residential practice place in a monastery, in a place where there's lots of, where there's a, a schedule for the whole day, and uh, the practice is just to follow that. And we can say that about all the different guideposts, the, the 10 paramitas, the, 10 pre, the 16 precepts, the four Brahma Viharas, all of these guideposts, uh, and as it says in the Diamond Sutra and other perfection of wisdom sutras, as no guideposts do we know them. So when we hold on to them as something that is real, that me- that is the meaning of everything, then you know we're 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 caught. <laughs> and uh, yet, uh, to just kind of meander off and whatever goes, man, and just flow free, and you know, 
without a sense of direction. So the birds have direction when they fly. They're not just flying around in circles. The birds path, you know, uh, they migrate, uh, some of them 10,000 miles in a year. They, birds migrate in all kinds of ways. Penguins swim <laughs> their migration path. So um, how do we find, so our direction is four bodhisattva vows, or just, you know, we could boil it down to what is Buddha? <laughs> or how, what's awakening, or how to be free. And we don't know freedom unless we see, you know, the markers that show us the way to get free from the markers. So all those systems like the, that you were describing, the precepts, the paramitas, the Brahma Viharas, they're wonderful, and they help us to see how to let go of them. So this is subtle. This is kind of advanced teaching, you know. And yet, total freedom and these guideposts are not different at all. Our delusions is how we find awakening. Awakening is what leads us to uh, engage in the delusions so that we can help others awake, awaken from delusions to see delusions. So the bird's path is endless, as long as it doesn't leave the sky. That's what Dogen talks about. So we continue to practice through our lives with four bodhisattva vows, 16 precepts, six or ten paramitas, signlessness, emptiness, wishlessness, and so forth. So thank you, David. Other comments or questions or responses? to this challenge of the birth death. Can I ask a question? Please, sure. Um, I'm wondering, is, is the bird's path something that we like choose to or have to decide to be on, or is it something that we're always on? Uh, we're always on it, but we don't necessarily re- realize it. Mm-hmm. So we can choose to say, oh, yeah, bird's path, yeah. <laughs> and birth path includes, oh yeah, we are we are following this particular structure. We are following the path of inhale and exhale. We are following the path of four noble truths and so forth. Those help us to see that we're on the birth path. Yes, Ishan. I'm kind of struck by... Um what seems like a dichotomy to me is that to us, the bird's path seems to have no trace and it seems to be a pathless path, but to the birds, it's a path. And we don't know, you know, from our frame of reference, we don't know what it is that they're following, but they're following something. So I'm, I'm kind of just a little confused by that. Good. Yes. Yes. So what is it to a bird? I don't know. I'm not a bird. Or at least not, you know, not tonight. (laughs) Um, And I don't know. Do the birds know what their path is? I'm not sure. Do birds think about, oh, I have to find my bird's path? (laughs) I don't think so. I think the bird just just flies. And without trying to make uh, as 
Vijilmar Samadhi says, without deliberations. You know, the bird just flies. And the path is whatever is in front of her. And uh, so how do we respect this pathless path? Uh, so yeah, I I I, I uh, thank you for your question. Yes, yes, I'll get to. Huh? I think birds actually follow magnetic fields. Yes, they found that they have some sensory mechanisms that detect magnetic fields, so they see things we don't see or follow things. And also, I don't know, they sometimes leave a trace. If you've ever had geese fly over you, there's uh. often quite fragrant traces that are left. So, yes. you know, it's it's an interesting thing, but the birds might look at us and go, what? They're, I don't see any cat that they're following. This seems totally random. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are the people doing? What is the people path? <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting because I, you know, I remember many years ago being in southern Illinois in March and what's called the Mississippi Flyway. And it's just filled with birds. And yes. they're following the river. They're following, you know, what their destination is and how they guide themselves. I have no idea, but they're they're just they're just going in mass along this along this river valley, all the way up to Canada. And, uh, yeah. So as so they said, have a direction, they do have a mass. They, they have a direction, direction, and and yes, there are magnetic fields, and there are geological clues, and there's also. Um, I don't know if it's if the sense of that particular migratory path is inherited, but there's a there's a kind of wisdom of the flock that uh, helps the birds. So maybe some birds. I don't know if there are. I, I wish Laurel was here because she's a bird or song a bird expert. But some birds maybe migrate solitarily. I don't know. But usually they seem to fly in formation. Okay, so. I was also thinking. Although we're not, we don't understand it maybe yet with science yet. We follow some path. Something brings us to the Dharma, this bodhicitta, kind of is this Geiger counter. You know, we're like, oh, we all ended up at Ancient Dragon. How did that happen? So there's, the, there's that kind of interesting Buddha path. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And that's also like the birth path in this in the sense that for us the birth path is mysterious and we don't we don't we don't see there but the guidepost they might see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure how how much you know electromagnetic fields guide them or I don't know what we don't know. And yet, what is it that what is it that allowed all of us, whether we're here at Ebenezer or out in the Zoom world, uh, to show up? And practice and sitsasa. That's 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 also a mysterious path. The Buddha bird. Yeah, maybe, maybe we bird. don't maybe we don't have as much free will as we think. <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if birds are part of the universe and they're the part of the universe that you know each flock follows their own magnetic path, that's just the universe coming together and experiencing itself. And perhaps we are showing up here, you know as part of the universe experiencing itself. We think it's our free will, but, you know, who's to say? That's a really interesting question I've been wondering for many years. And so I don't know, but 
I think there's there's it's not that it's predestined predestined. It's not yeah, that no, no. you know uh, Amina was going to show up on Zoom at Ancient Dragon on this particular night, or uh, or show up again on this particular this particular time, or that the pandemic was predestined. It's not controlled, and yet there's a direction. Yeah, so it's it's not exactly random. There is there is cause and effect. Everything we do and think has a creates something, and everything that happens has causes and conditions. So, yeah, it's not exactly free will, but it's not predestination either. And some birds will resonate on this frequency. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so we're all flying in response in to whatever it is. Yes, the Buddha frequency has called us. <laughs> <laughs>